Bibles back up, Proverbs chapter number 3 tonight, Proverbs chapter number 3, we're just about to finish up chapter 3 tonight, and uh, we're going to make a good stab at finishing up chapter 3 tonight, and uh, I think uh, probably, uh, maybe on my 80th birthday, we'll finish the book of Proverbs, Uh, but I've had a good time in preparation and study, and and, uh, such such a wealth of wisdom and knowledge in this book, and a good idea for all of God's people to be in the book of Proverbs on a regular basis. One chapter a day will take you all the way through the book of Proverbs each month. That'd be a great discipline uh, for God's people. And um, and so back in uh, Proverbs chapter number three, we finished up last uh, uh, the last our last time together in verse number thirty. Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. And uh, uh, and so. Uh, there's a sister verse that goes with that. In verse number 31, I'll pray, and we'll jump in right where we left off. Father, we love you, and we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to communicate thy truth. So help me, Lord, as I seek to help your people. And these simple truths, timeless truths, Lord, may we listen, may we heed them, and incorporate them into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 30 talks about striving and uh, when you don't need to. Don't, don't get involved in everybody's fuss and fight and don't take offense. Uh, uh, don't, every little time somebody does you wrong, uh, don't take offense. But verse 31 said, Envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. Now, uh, if you have a reference Bible, you likely have in the column there, verse number 31, uh, note that the word oppressor means a man of violence. A man of violence. And the Bible said, envy thou not the oppressor. Let me read to you from uh, Genesis 6. Just listen to it. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I'll destroy them with the earth. One of the primary reasons God destroyed the world in a worldwide flood is that it had filled with violence. It had filled with violence. You know, uh, violence is glorified in this day and time. It's glorified. Um. I remember years ago witnessing to a young man who's in eternity now. And uh, I remember talking to him, and when I, when I talked to him, he cranked his music up to try to get me to stop. I persisted because I knew he had a mom and others of us that were praying for him. But the music they listened to was, it was awful. It was terrible. It glorified violence. But I remember in that conversation, he turned. I was witnessing to him. He's playing his music, you know, and I and I was witnessing to him. And he turned it off. And he looked at me just as sincerely as he could. He said, "I don't want to go to hell." You know, I've thought about that many times, and I don't know. We don't know anybody's heart. I'd like to think God was dealing in his heart. Maybe some peace was made between him and his. And his God, I don't know that. But uh, 
I know a lot of people got themselves in trouble because they got fascinated with violence. Uh, according to uh, kidshealth.org, and, and uh, that's, uh, they've never printed a mistake as long as they've been in existence. That was being facetious there. Yes, this came off the Internet. All right, so it's got to be true, right? It's on the Internet. Anyway, according to kidshealth.org, the average American child will see 200,000 violent acts on television by age 18. I, I, I don't doubt that to be true. Um, our music... Uh, glorifies violence, uh, television, movies, video games. The National Domestic Violence Hotline said this, that one in ten high school students has experienced physical violence from a partner in the last year alone. I remember uh, when uh, um, Jacob called me about a year ago, he said, Pastor Pray, uh, for the high schools, my mom's a principal, principal secretary there, for our high school, they told her not to come in, and uh, that uh, there's fights in the hallway, sheriff, and everybody's there. Now, uh, I, I know this that, that uh, people say, well, you know, you look at violence, it doesn't affect you. That's baloney. That's baloney. Uh, the Bible says, man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible said, out of the heart flow the issues of life. The entrance to the mind is the ear gate and the eye gate. The entrance to the heart is the mind. What goes in these two gates right here goes in the mind. What you dwell on gets in your heart. And the Bible said out of the heart come the issues of life. And absolutely it's affected our society. The glorification of, 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 of violence. And and, um, and and the Bible said this in that verse. It said, don't, don't envy the violent, the oppressor. Choose none of his ways. Choose none of his ways. Um, when Tupac Shakur was shot dead, he had tattooed on his chest, money, pride, life. The Bible says through the fear of the Lord come those things. Not, not, not the glorification of self-will and immorality and violence and rebellion. Well, so many, so many are caught up in that. And the Bible said, envy not the oppressor, envy not the oppressor. You know, Pharaoh was the chief oppressor of his day, and he kept the nation of Israel under its heel, under his heel. He crushed them into slavery. But, you know, he had, a, he had an, a, an adopted son, a foster son in that home that his daughter was rearing, and his name was Moses. Amen. And his mama put enough God in him, even before he was weaned, his mama put enough God in his mind and in his heart when he got older. He said, I don't belong with this crowd. And the Bible said he chose to be afflicted with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin of Egypt. He could have been fantastically wealthy, could have been a man of power. He said, no. He said, I won't have any part of it. Thank God for Moses. Amen. Thank God for Moses. Uh, 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 Violence. Uh, Listen to this. This is another statistic from the uh, National Domestic Violence Hotline. On average, more than one in three women and one in four men in the U.S., will experience a sexual assault, physical violence, or stalking by an intimate partner. That's an average of 24 people per minute that are victims of such, totaling more than 12 million women and men in the course of a single year. Now, if that's anywhere close to truth, that is a sad indictment on the society in which we live. And I've pastored long enough to know this, that many folks who experience those kind of things would never speak about it. 
and sometimes not for many, many, many years would they ever speak about it. Uh, the Bible says, envy not. Envy thou not the oppressor and choose none of his ways. You know what an oppressor is here? Uh, it's a bully. Someone who uses their power or their position to bully people around. Can I tell you something? Uh, you know what real strength is? Real strength is not shoving your weight around. Real strength is restraining. That's real strength is in restraint. If I put a 50-pound kid here and a 100-pound kid here, and uh, uh, it'd take a little strength for the 100-pound kid to push the 50-pound kid, uh, uh, kid around. But if the 50-pound kid was antagonizing, it'd take more strength for him not to knock him in the nose. Real strength is being able to restrain yourself. People are dying on our streets. Little children dying on our streets. Uh, somebody gets cut off in a lane or somebody passes or slows, goes too slow and drive by and shoot into a car blindly. And little kids dying on the, on the streets of our country. Uh, the Bible said, don't envy such a person. Don't envy such a person. Look at verse number 32. For the froward, that's the, the, that's, uh, the word froward means crooked or perverse. For the froward is abomination to the Lord. That word abomination is a strong word, and you ought to pay attention to it uh, when you read. By the way, that's why you need to read the King James Bible, and uh, you'll get the uh, uh, you'll uh, you'll find that word often. And uh, so many of the new versions soften soften sin. Abomination. That's a Bible word. It means it makes God sick. And you ought to pay attention to that when you read your Bible. That's an abomination to the Lord. That means it makes God sick. There are people, according to God's word, who literally make God sick. God was sick of it when, when in, in Genesis chapter 6. I'm sick of this. No more. I'm not tolerating this anymore. Can I tell you something? God is merciful. God is gracious. God is long-suffering. Uh, uh, he's forbearing. Uh, he is love. But he's also holy and just and right and jealous and a God of judgment. And we need both sides of God. Amen? Yes. And uh, uh, he said the froward, the crooked, are an abomination to him. But look at this. But but his secret is with the righteous. That's a fascinating phrase to me. His secret is with the righteous. Uh, Mr. Would you like to know what I just told him? That was rude. You stay out of my teaching. <laughs> I didn't tell him a thing. Thank you. You can be seated. But you know what? Uh, think about that phrase for a minute. The Lord's secret. Is with the righteous. The person that does right. How how would you like to be one of God's confidants? Think about that. You know God was. God came to visit Abraham. Remember this? And he said. I wonder if I should tell him. I wonder if I should tell him. He said. Oh I can tell him. I can tell Abraham. He said. I know Abraham. I know how he'll command his children. I know how he runs his household. He said. I can tell him. God, literally, in the Bible, God was thinking about, should I tell Abraham this or should I not? Let me ask you a question. God, you, God thinks about it. The Bible says that God looks down from heaven and he ponders the paths of our feet. God looks at us and he says, why are they doing that? <laughs> he thinks about us. 
And according to God's word in Abraham's day, he said, you know, I'm thinking about telling Abraham something, but I don't know. He said, you know what? No, no, I can trust Abraham. That's what he said. I can trust him. And he shared something with Abraham that he didn't share with anyone else. His secret is with the righteous. That's what he did for Daniel. How, how was it that Daniel, who, who was enslaved, taken captive and enslaved, how did he become the right-hand counselor to three world empires, four kings? How is it? How did he earn that kind of trust? God told him things. God told him things. That's the same thing with Joseph. How did Joseph go from being enslaved, sold to the Midnight's a slave, slave in Potiphar's house, falsely accused, wind up in prison? How did he get out of prison? He walked with God. The Lord was with him. God told him things. <laughs> and when the king needed some, some counsel and some advice, he said, I want to know what's going what, what does this dream mean? And 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 El said, Hey, I know somebody can help you. Who's that? He's a Hebrew. And He's got a connection with his God. Where is he? He's in prison. In prison, go get him out. I want to talk to him. And he went from prison to the right hand man to the Pharaoh. Amen? Hey, would you like to be one of God's confidants? Did you ever read read your Bible and you got done with a chapter and, and you realized when you got to the end of the chapter, you realized you were reading your Bible? And you realize you just finished a chapter. You have no clue what you just read. Please help me out because that's happened to me. Now, and then sometimes, if you ever read your Bible, sometimes it just something just jumps off the page at you and grabs your heart. And you say, man, that's just from the Lord. That's just from me. The Bible said God's secret is with the righteous. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 12. Don't turn to it. That's what, Elisha, that's what God did for Elisha. The king of Syria would maneuver his his forces. And every time he did, God would tell Elisha, and Elisha would tell the king of Israel, said, you better move your men to get ready to ambush you. (laughs) And every time the king of Syria had it, boy, this is a great plan. And the plans would be foiled. And he got his chief staff together. He said, one of you guys is disloyal. One of you guys is a spy. Who are you? I'm going to have you executed. They said, no, 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 nobody here. One of them said, king, let me tell you something. He said, there's a man over there. He's a man of God. He's a prophet of God. And what you say, what you say in your bedchamber, what you whisper when you're laying your head on your pillow at night, God hears it, tells him, and he tells the king. How about that? His secret is with the righteous. I don't know about you, but I love it when God speaks to me. Now, I, I know God can. I don't think by way of practice God speaks to people out loud. But I know he can. I know some folks God's spoken to out loud. You can think whatever you want to think about that. He's never spoke to me out loud. But I've listened. I've heard his voice many times. Man, when I've, when I've been with the Lord and asking God to use me to win souls and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, how many, many divine appointments he's given me. And he said, go talk to that person. And I often, it's funny because I know better, but I still have a tendency to argue with him. Oh, they're busy. They don't want to talk to anybody. Come talk to them. And come to find out, wow, I can't believe you're asking me this. This just happened. This just happened. This just happened. We led a lady to Christ at the Olive Garden some months back. And uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit said, speak to her about her soul. Anyway, ask her about her soul. And I said, ma'am, 
Do you believe? And I, I don't know if I've ever done this. In, it's not typical. I said, man, do you believe Christ is coming soon? Boy, it sure seems like he's coming soon. What do you think about it? She goes, I was just back there in the back talking to my fellow employees about whether or not God was coming back. You know about that? She says, ma'am, let me tell you how you'll be ready. Boy, she come back and forth two or three times. She listened to every word, and she stood right there by the uh, by the by, by, by her table and bowed her head and trusted Christ as her personal Savior. Amen. Now I don't know about you, but I like the idea of God whispering in my ear. I like that idea. Do you know uh, that's how that's how King Saul became king? Uh, uh, in uh, over in First Samuel nine, listen to this. First Samuel nine fifteen. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry is come unto me. And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, Behold, that's him. Look right there. The man whom I speak to thee of, this same shall reign over my people. Saul thought he was looking for donkeys. He got lost. His donkeys got lost. His father's donkeys got lost. And he thought he was looking for donkeys. God said, no, no, I'm just trying to get you where I want you. By the time he, by the time he got to Samuel, uh, word he comes said, don't worry about your donkeys. They're already found. And uh, he communed with Samuel. And uh, by the time he left, it was time for Saul to go home. He walked down the road with him a little bit. They separated themselves from the others. He said, I want to tell you something privately. And anointed him to be the king of Israel. Now, Samuel knew that ahead of time. Samuel knew that ahead of time. I don't know about you, but I'd like to be one that God to whisper in my ear when he had something needed done. I think about Mark 14, 13. Jesus said, uh, we, need to have the, we need to have the Passover meal together. He told two of his disciples, said, walk into town and get in the middle of town to be a man with a pitcher of water on his head. Follow him. <laughs> oh, I picture this in my mind so many times. That's said, they finally got the picture of water on it. said, they start following him. He said, when he gets to the house, go in the house. <laughs> and so, okay, master. So they get in the middle of town, and there's a man with the water, and they start following him. I often wonder if that guy felt like, who are these guys following me, you know? Then he gets to the house, and he opens the door. They walk in right behind him. And finally, they say, what are you, what are you guys doing? What do you want? So we're supposed to eat the Passover here. And they say, oh, well, why didn't you say so? I got the room already ready. They already had the preparation made. God already spoke to them. God spoke to his disciples, told them how they're going to meet the man. Same thing, we needed a colt to ride in Jerusalem. He said, go into town, find a colt right there. He said, untie it, bring it to me. They said, what if somebody says, what are you taking our colt for? He said, just tell them I need it. So they walk into town. Sure enough, there's a colt tied up. They start untying me. He said, what are you doing? He said, the master needs it. He said, okay, that'll be fine. Hey, you know, God's, God talks to us. Amen. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, if you don't read your Bible, don't come and ask me what your dream meant. Let me say that again. If you don't read your Bible, don't come to pastor and to ask me what your dream meant. Dream about reading your Bible first. Amen. Sometimes we get so fascinated. We get so fascinated. I'm not talking about this. I'm not talking about a bunch of nonsense. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about you are in the word and you walk with God and God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you are sensitive to his spirit and the leading of his spirit. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm not talking about God just told me you had a bunion on your third toe. That's not what I'm talking about. But I tell you something, 
God speaks to his servants. Bud Robinson, an old, old uh, famous holiness preacher, believed in the second blessing, what I would call the, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He called it the second blessing. But he was, uh, he was out, he's out west and preached all the way up into his 80s. And he had a lith, had terrible lith. He had no education. But he was just as, as loving and tender, and God used him mightily, wonderful. But he was out west preaching and turned his plate over this little $5 little gold piece. And God told him, so I want, just right there, spoke to him and said, Keep that. That's for somebody in the Midwest you're going to cross paths with. And so he put it in his pocket. And his preacher had a church, preacher had a meeting, a uh, camp meeting in the Midwest. And when the service was over, everybody, uh, most people were leaving and the service was over. And a lady came up and she picked her shawl up. Most, most everybody was gone from the building. And she picked her shawl up and put it on. And he walked up to her and said, Ma'am, are you praying for some money? It, it was a lady. I wrote her name down here. Uh, no, I didn't write her name down. Um, she had uh, restaurants. She had several restaurants. And she had <laughs> she had come to the meeting and unprepared, and she was so embarrassed. She needed $5 to pay her hotel bill, and she didn't have the money. She had money, but she didn't have any money with her. And she was embarrassed to death to ask anybody for money. And so she said, she said well, I, need, I need $5. And she went and got her shawl, and Bud Robinson walked up and said, Ma'am, are you praying for some money? She said, yes, I am. He said, well, here it is. And handed her a $5 gold piece. She said, that's exactly the amount I need. She said, thank you, Uncle Bud. But folks called him Uncle Bud. He said, don't thank me. He said, don't thank me. Because I, I was out in the West. I turned my plate and found that $5 piece. I put it in my pocket. And the Lord said to me, now, lady's going to be in a meeting. She, when she goes to get her shawl, you'll see it. Give her the $5. So don't thank me. You can thank the Lord. He gave it to me to give it to you. Amen. He said, I don't believe in that. You, you don't have to believe in that. But it's all over your Bible. Amen? His secret is with the Lord. J. Harold Smith, uh, 1947, September, uh, no, August 11, 1947, he put in a, uh, for a, uh, an application to, to uh, build a radio station in Knoxville by the FCC. He was granted it. He got his license. He opened the station, and a month later, the communists, the liquor crowd, hauled him into court with false accusations. He's in D.C. defending his right to be on the air. And a pastor from Knoxville showed up in that courtroom. And uh, J. Harold Smith, God's Free Deadlines, if you remember that famous message, J. Harold Smith's with the Lord now. Over a million souls were saved just in that one sermon he preached all over the country and other countries as well. Anyway, but here he is in court in Washington, D.C., and this pastor got up and just made horrible accusations, called him racist, a bunch of other stuff, stirring up strife in Knoxville. All of it lies. And while he's standing in the courtroom, <clears throat> the Lord touched uh, J. Harold Smith's heart. And he said, I'm going to take that man's life for what he's doing right now. And J. Harold Smith walked up to him after that session, walked up to the man and said, Sir, God told me a little while ago while you're testifying, while you're tell- telling those lies on stand, God told me he's going to take your life for what you just did. He said, he went back, that man went home to Knoxville, and less than a month he was dead. Now, I don't know about you. I, 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 I'd like to have that kind of relationship with the Lord. I'd love to have that. I remember as a freshman in college, 
walking down the little administrative hallway and past several of the administrative offices, uh, Dr. Jorgensen's office down there and others' offices down there. And one of the staff members came walking by me. I had a, I had just bought it in high school, and it was a real nice, we called them boom boxes back then. It was a tape player, you know, and the speakers detached and everything. And I'd take it in my car with me, you know. Anyway, and uh, anyway, I had a nice boom box. And, uh, and I was walking down the hallway, and um, uh, my, uh, one of my, my teachers' Uh, stopped me at home and said, hey, let me see that. And, uh, and uh, I said, that, that's nice. And I, he said, I, I, I asked me, I think, how much it was or something like that. Anyway, I told him a little bit about it. He said, that's great. He said, man, he said, that's really nice. And uh, I went on back to my room, and as soon as I got in my room, the Holy Spirit said, go back and give him your boom box. I said, that's, that's, that's the devil talking to me. That's not the Lord for sure. <laughs> I was like, really? He said, go give him your boom. So I turned and I went back down, knocked on his office door. He said, I'd like to give this to you. He said, you want to? He said, I said, I want you to have it. And he thanked me. And a couple of days later, I got a letter in the mail. And it said this. He said, last Sunday, I'm a bus captain. A teacher wrote me this. I'm a bus captain. And last Sunday, my wife was on the bus. She said, honey, I wish we had a, a portable tape player where we could play music when the kids get on the bus. And she said, I'm going to pray for one. And so she prayed for one. And God took mine and gave it to her. I don't know why I did that. Oh, listen. Hey, listen. Do you you communicate with the Lord? Do you pray? Do you talk to God? Does God's Spirit lead you? The Bible said His secret is with the righteous. Now, maybe that doesn't interest you, boy. It interests me. It interests me. I'd like God to, listen, listen, I remember Dr. Williams saying this, if God ever wakes you up in the middle of the night, get up and pray, get up and pray, get up and pray. God needs some folks he could wake up in the middle of the night. Donnie Whitlock stood, stood right in this pulpit and told that amazing story about those 14 men in the jungles of Papua New Guinea who come to murder him, machetes in their hand, they came to murder him. And then he turned around and fled into the jungle. And he chased them down in the jungle and said, this is going to end. They've been threatening his life and his family for months and months. He said, this ends today. You either come back and finish your job and kill us or leave us alone. And none of them make eye contact with him. And he had a little man there. wasn't even saved yet. A New Guinea man, a native there of New Guinea. And looked at him and said, who, who, who were those men? Who were those men? And Brother Don looked at him and said, what are you talking about? He said, all those men that come, came and stood around you had those bright swords and they were, they were tall and wearing all white. Who were they? He said, well, I didn't see them, but I believe they were there. He got back to Tabernacle in Greenville, South Carolina, came home on a furlough and had told that story in a service, Harold Seitler's church there, Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greensboro, and they're having lunch afterwards. He had told that story. And another preacher down the table from him said, Brother Donnie, when was that that happened? Those angels protected you like that. He started doing a little figure and gave him the day. He said, what time of the day was it? Did a little figuring. The man did the calculations, the time difference between his home. He said, Brother Donnie, that very day, God woke me up in the middle of the night. Whatever time it was over here is the middle of the night. God woke me up and said, pray right now for Donnie Whitlock. He said, I got out of my bed. He said, I prayed earnestly for about an hour. I prayed for you. I prayed for you. I begged God for you. And then had peace come over me. And I went back to sleep. 
He said, I never knew why, but I know now why. Wouldn't you like to be the person that God would bring into his confidence and say, I need somebody to stand in the gap and intercede. I need somebody that I can whisper to, talk to that person. I'm working on them. Give them a gospel track. Knock on that door. I I, I remember uh, 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 Martin Holland. Martin Holland. Knocking on his door. He literally opened the door. He didn't say hello. I, I knocked on his door. He opened the door. He's on the phone. He said, uh, the pastor's here now. I'll call you back. And I thought, I looked around. Where am I? Was I supposed to come here? And he said, come in. Come in. I hadn't introduced myself. He hadn't introduced himself to me. He said, come in. Sit down. I came in and sit down. And I, I said, uh, I'm Pastor Shook. You're our pastor, right? I said, yes, sir. I'm Pastor Shook. Let's go back to church. I'm Martin Holland. What do you have to tell me? Come to find out, when I knocked on his door, he was on the phone with his mom in New York. Martin, I found out, was already saved, but he was away from God. And uh, we prayed that that day together, spent some time in the Word. He recommitted his life to Christ, came faithfully till he moved out of state. But he was on the phone that day with his mama, and his mama said, let's pray that God will send a preacher to you to help you. They had just finished praying, and he said, He's here now. Come in. Now, I don't know about you, but I would like to be one of God's confidants. Amen? I would. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Look at verse number 34. Surely, excuse me, verse 33. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. You know what I believe? I believe that there's somebody in that house that'll live for God, the whole house will get a blessing. The habitation, the house, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. But he blesseth the habitation of the just. The Bible, that, that's a biblical truth right there. The, Laban said this. He said, he told Jacob, he said, I know that God has blessed me for your sake. Over and over again. Sometimes a little neat little Bible study. Look at all the times God said, for David's sake. And look at all the things that God did because of David. He just loved David. David loved him. He was a man after God's own heart. And God took such a shine to David. He did stuff for other people because of David. Because he loved David. I don't know about you. Now, you say, but everybody in my household wants to do right. But you know what? You can make a difference in your household. Uh, the, the, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. But he blesseth the habitation of the just. Look at verse 34. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. He scorneth the scorners. You know what a scorner is? A scorner is a critic. A scorner is a critic. Uh, someone who mocks, someone who criticizes, someone who tears others down with their words. Now look what God, this is God's stance toward a critic. The Bible said he scorneth the scorners. Now, you know, sometimes we say, well, I can't believe so-and-so lied on me. Aren't you glad God didn't tell the truth on you? Amen? Now, I, don't, I would want... There's, there's, there's some pretty powerful mediums of communication. Uh, the the uh, social media is powerful and the news media is powerful. And a lot of people have been destroyed. But let me tell you something. Uh, God's got a pretty good communication system. 
I would hate to be a target of his scorn. How about you? Well, who does he scorn? The Bible said he scorneth the scorners. But he giveth grace unto the lowly. Let me quote some verses for you. Back in Proverbs 1, we read this a few weeks ago, verse 22. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning. You know why people criticize? It's fun. The flesh enjoys it. I love gossip, don't you? It's all right. My flesh does. My spirit doesn't like it. But my flesh likes it. Yeah. Boy, I just, my flesh loves it. And let me tell you something. God, the Bible said this, people scorn. You know why people criticize? They love it. Here's what we say. I hate to tell you this. No, you don't. No, you don't. I hate to, I don't, I hate to be, have to be the one to tell you this. That's a lie. The Bible said the scorner loves his scorning. (laughs) I'm so glad I get to tell you this. That would at least be honest. Why do we do it? The Bible said we delight in it. Proverbs 21, 24 says it proud. And haughty scorner is his name. That's what this verse here says. Our text here, verse 34. He, he, he uh, compares the corresponding opposites, the scorner to the lowly. The scorner's proud. You know, a person feels like they have a right to criticize someone else. I put themselves in a position above that person. The root sin there is pride. And what does the Bible say about pride? It said, God resisted the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. That's what the Bible says. God resisted the proud. He pushes back against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, the Bible says. Oh, oh uh, uh, surely he scorneth the scorners. Uh, listen to this, uh, Proverbs 21, 24, proud and haughty scorner is named who dealeth in proud wrath. Typically, typically people who criticize a lot are angry people. That's what the Bible says. They're mad. And he criticizes and it comes out. Proverbs 22, 4, 10 says this, uh, Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Now let me say this, and to put your feelings away. Don't be the person that when you leave the room, everybody goes, ah. And when you walk in the room, everybody goes, Phew. That's what he said. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. The tension in the room. Uh, I, I, I've been in some meetings before, and the person left, is like, oh, okay, we can all breathe easier now. <laughs> Don't be that kind of person. Proverbs 24, 40, uh, 9 said, The scorner is an abomination to men. You know, the fact of the matter is, you, you want to be disliked, be a critic. Be a critic. And the Bible said, Such is an abomination to men. And eventually, Proverbs nine twelve says, If thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear. Eventually, the critic winds up a lonely person. Now, here's what happened. A critic will find somebody, and they'll listen to them. They'll, they'll find an ear, and they'll criticize this person, that person, that person. And, and, and after a while, they'll run out of people. <laughs> can I tell you something? I, 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 no, we're going to get the last verse so we can say we finished the chapter. If somebody will criticize another person to you, they'll just as well criticize you to someone else. Verse 35, we'll finish with this. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Uh, What's down the road for a fool? Shame. What's down the road for the wise? Glory. (laughs) Amen. Glory. 
uh, Ecclesiastes 7, uh, the wise man said, better is the end of a thing. I remember, I was the first time I ever went to a firehouse sub. It was the day of Michael Jackson's funeral, and I was in a firehouse sub, and it was uh, on the screen there. And it was showing his funeral. It was showing clips of him. I remember one in particular. He wasn't even performing. It showed him going into meeting halls. About 300 people had been waiting like four or five hours or some long time. They had been waiting. And the man walked out on the platform, and they just went berserk, screaming for him and uh, reaching like you'd think the, the old pictures of Elvis Presley and the Beatles and so forth, just at the platform and 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 uh, security trying to keep the crowd back, but just reaching just to get closer, trying to touch him. And I remember sitting there looking at that and thinking, you know, here's a, here's here's the thought that struck me that was so sad. All the praise and all the glorification. It's a man's funeral. All those people, and I thought to myself, you know what? Those people were made to do. They were made to glorify God. What have they done? They've glorified a man who personifies sin and degradation and filth. And they've made that their God. And the end of such a one, the Bible says, is shame. Hey, listen. Don't worry if you don't get your glory down here. Amen. <laughs> if you're if you're saved, your best days are still ahead. Amen. If you're lost, your best days are right now. It only gets worse. So we're looking to the end. Amen. Let's stand together, shall we?